Well, what's up, boys? We back on the pivot. Yeah. Young Channing, all decked out. Mm, uh, looking so sexy. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't hate, don't hate on the curly dread. I see you, Freaky Ooh. Freddy, and we have the multi-talented Taylor Rooks, writer, broadcaster, reporter. I mean, you do it all. But y'all were having an argument oh, early yes. on. Apparently, she country, Channing. I, I, it's not even an argument oh. because you're incorrect. But continue. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I just she's from Gwinnett County. Mm -hmm. I'm from inner city Atlanta. And we just have, we have a, a indifference on what Atlanta is and what Atlanta isn't. What do you define country as? Out in the woods. That's has, not you, have you ever seen a raccoon in your yard? No. You've never, never seen a raccoon I've in I've seen a raccoon before, but not in my yard, no. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, but to be fair, I've seen a raccoon in Atlanta. In, in the inner city? Yes. Those are inner city Atlanta. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't, they got gold chains on. You see what I'm saying? This argument is flawed. <laughs> this is already a flawed argument. One question, it fell apart. <laughs> Hold up. Limitless. Take a simic cap in it. I thought they hear the witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. No one me, I got the key. On this vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a simic cap in it. I thought they hear the witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. So Taylor, we're talking about, you know, being from Atlanta or not being from Atlanta Metro in your Atlanta. case. Mm -hmm. Metro Atlanta, outside of Atlanta, where people like the Migos and was, was it Bradley Roby and Cam Haywood yep. and all those people mm -hmm. are from. But you went to school in Illinois. I did. Right. And I know yeah. some, you know, you had a connection with your pops. Tell us a little bit about taking that Atlanta girl, I guess Southern Belle. Can she be Southern? Oh, we're going to claim her now because she's successful. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's Atlanta now because she's successful now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we ATL all day now because you're successful. You know what? And going to school there, what was that trip like or what was that change like for you and kind of the spaces you were in? I mean, I think I've always been a person who, as much as I love home and I love Georgia, I've always thought, okay, there's more things out there. And I wanted to see what those things were. Um, and both my parents went to University of Illinois. So I just grew up knowing about Champaign, knowing about the football program, the basketball program. And when it was time to decide where I wanted to go to school, I thought like the idea of having this legacy of people that went to U of I really spoke to me. Um, so when they accepted me, I just instantly said that was going to be the place that I wanted to kind of start my own my own thing there. Uh, and I hope that whenever I have kids, one of them wants to go to U of I and it can continue on being a thing. I, I also think, you know, we see a lot of people that don't look like us that have this like lineage at schools. And I always wanted to have that uh, for my family too. So hopefully it continues. The thing I realized when you walked up on me is you're a lot taller <laughs> than I thought. And you mentioned your pops playing sports and, you know, both he and your mother going to U of I. Did you, did you hoop? Did you, did you play sports? Was it something you wanted to do young and maybe be professional? Or was it just kind of, you know, part of your life because it's what your family was? Yeah. So I only do things I know I'm going to be really, really good at. I tried basketball. I ran track for a little bit, played volleyball. And I was like, I'm not going to be Serena Williams. Uh, so I'm not going to keep doing this. But I knew I was really good at talking about it because it was, it was so ingrained in me. Like I said, my dad played. My uncle was Baseball Hall of Famer. My other uncle played in the NFL. My mom is like the biggest football fan ever in my entire family. So it's just a thing that growing up, I was always around sports. So I knew I wanted to incorporate it into what I did. But I knew that wasn't going to be on the field or on the court. So I made it work. And like you said, your whole family played ball. Like when you said you were going to talk about it. Yeah. Did they embrace it? Totally. 
Yeah. They totally jumped into that you're going to be a broadcaster. Yeah. I mean, my parents always talk about how I was that annoying kid that just asked 80 billion questions. I had posted this on my social media, but when I was younger, I would set up our camcorder and I would interview myself. Like I would make insane stories about myself and then ask myself questions. Like in one of them, I was a singer and I was asking myself about performing on stage. Like one of them, I was an actor and I was talking about a movie I had coming out. So I just always thought it was really cool to have conversations and my parents would give me camcorder tapes and buy me the stuff to watch it and all that. So that's something I think is really important. I had family that really embraced all the things that I wanted to do. So I never felt like I couldn't do anything that I wanted to do if I put my mind to it. You know, it's cool to listen to you talk about the support your family gave you. You kind of having the dream and you doing those certain things and then providing you with stuff to continue to be able to do it, but also build confidence. You know, this is the second time I've seen you and both times you walk with confidence. You can tell you understand and know who you are and what you bring. Is that something that you've tried to bring into the way that you do your job? And how do you make sure that always comes across first, that I know I'm supposed to be here, mm -hmm. I know this is what I'm meant to do, and watch how well I do it? I mean, I feel like that's a, like a, lot a of super... Questions. Yeah, but no, it's a super <laughs> layered answer, too, I feel like. You know, I've said this before, but I think any time I see a black person, specifically a black woman, in a role, I know that they are really, really good at it because... Everything was designed for you to not make it to whatever point that was. So the fact that you're there means you were like quite literally better than everyone that was that's there right now, those that do not look like you. And so I think I just always try to tell myself that you're in the rooms because you're supposed to be in the rooms. You should feel as emboldened with everything that you want to say and everything that you want to think. Um, and I just try to keep that with me. Confidence really is, I think, the number one thing you can have. Even if you don't know what you're talking about, if you feel like you know what you're talking about, everyone else is going to believe it. You know, you know, TV is all tricks. But I, I do think confidence really is the most important. Have you ever been in a room just with us? Yeah. Forget these cameras in here. Okay, it's me and you. Just me, me and, you. and you. Just with us. <laughs> when, have you ever been in a room that you thought you shouldn't be in, you should not have been in? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I wouldn't say it was a room that I, sh I don't want to say shouldn't have been in, but certainly a room I was surprised I was even in there. It was actually when I saw you Super Bowl, I was coming out of like the, um, the suite with like Jay-Z and Beyonce and Rihanna and like Naomi Osaka. And I was far and away the least cool person that was in that suite. <laughs> but that was a time I was like, this is different living. This is a different level of success. But you know, you leave those rooms too and you're like, oh no, this is like, this is the goal. Like I want to have my own suite at the Super Bowl that is just filled with these power movers and shakers and stuff. But that was a time most recently I remember thinking like, it's insane that I'm, that I'm in here. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned goals earlier or pretending to be the singer, pretending to be the, the actress. And I know in a, in a lot of those scenarios, you kind of exaggerate who you are. But now you're in the business where you can grow, like you said, to be in those suites mm -hmm. and, and to be in those rooms. What's the, the ultimate goal for that? I mean, because right now, anytime you do these interviews, you, you know a person, but you dive deeper into it. And I see like when you're sitting across from people, they relax. Right. And, and you get Lou Will to say he's going to retire or you get Candace to say her and Gino yeah. don't vibe. Josh says he wants to dunk on LeBron. Mm -hmm. do, do you want to get to a point because you, you interview so well that 
you are the most sought after doing what you do. And that, that involves anybody you're, you're dealing with. Yeah. And how do you get there though? Yeah, I mean, I want everything. Like I want everything that is possible out there for me to have. Like when I think about the business I'm in now, I don't think it's the sports business as much as I think it is the people business. I don't want to shy away from an interview or a topic. And when I am interviewing athletes, I try to interview them as whole people and not just the things that they're doing on the field or on the court, because I think that will help me in whatever the next step of my career is. I want, if somebody has something to say, they think, I'm gonna talk to Taylor about it. And she's gonna ask me the right questions. And I'll be in an environment that I feel comfortable in, but I also know I'll be challenged in and she'll have follow-up questions. and there'll be a, an exchange of thought, an exchange of ideas. So that's certainly what I want. And for myself, I don't want to just be seen like as a sports figure. I really want to be an overall like cultural figure. You know, I have friends that are athletes, friends that are in entertainment, friends that are singers and rappers. I think all of that is important. I've never felt like I needed to be put into this box. And too often, I think in sports journalism, and especially for women in sports journalism, they're encouraged to like, fill in and be like what our idea of a woman in that space is. And I don't think I have to fit that to be successful. I actually think that things have worked for me because I decided not to exactly fit that um, and tried to carve like a lane for myself. Well, is that why you was all, all giddy? <laughs> That's why she was all giddy when she got to interview President Obama. Yes, I did not stop smiling, it was insane. But yeah. you just said, you said in, in sports media or a woman in sports media, you yeah. reset it. Mm -hmm. Is it harder for a woman, like, oh, to be yeah. a woman in sports media? What What does that entail? We're three men right here. Mm -hmm. Three men players. Like, yeah. how much harder is it for you than us? I mean, I don't know how much time you have. We're going to talk about how much harder it is for me. Yes, I could go all I, day, we got all but... the time in the world. We got all the time in the world. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I said it in that specific answer, though, is because I was talking about, you know, this this box that we have to fit in and, like, you know, whether it's just being sidelined or like just interviewing like the specific athlete that we're asked to. I think, so whenever people will talk about my interview style, they say, okay, like she's very conversational and all these things and they'll compare me to other people. But I think probably the better comparison in terms of the mood I set with my interviews is somebody like Ahmad Rashad. But I don't think people feel comfortable saying it's like an Ahmad Rashad type interview because one of the reasons Ahmad Rashad was successful was because he was friends with the people that he interviewed. Mm -hmm. So he ended up feeling like very comfortable. It's the same reason somebody like Adam Schefter or Shams or Woj is successful is because they have relationships with the people that they are connected to. People giving them news, people they're sitting down with. But it's like very weird, I think, for humans to think that a man and a woman can have trust with each other in an incredibly platonic way. So if I post an interview, all the comments are like, oh, are they together? Are they dating? Do they like each other? They have chemistry. But the thing I would say is like, I'm gonna have chemistry with whoever I meet, whether that's Candace Parker or John Morant or Lou Williams or Sue Bird. Like having chemistry with everybody is actually a gift and a skill and a talent. It's people who don't understand that that make it something that it is not. So I'm not really able to even do that without somebody seeing me as a woman first and a journalist second. And really you should be looking at the product like, no, like she's asking really good questions and this person feels comfortable. And that's something like you guys don't ever do these interviews and then worry that somebody is gonna think you're in a relationship with the person you're interviewing. And that's just like, the most base level difference. Um, 
but that's there's a litany of things that are more you know difficult for me than they are for yeah, I think another huge piece of like and you mentioning that comparison is a lot of times people can't take comparisons away from visuals mm -hmm. right like it's easy it's even in sports you know if you talk about let's say Cooper Cup who's mm -hmm. a wide receiver, they're only going to compare him to white wide receivers. Yeah. And he's better than Edelman, he's better than Welker, he's better than all those guys, and he actually doesn't play like him. Like right. him. He's better than black dudes too. No, but what, 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 yeah. what I'm saying is, though, when you talk about his comparisons, those have to go to the Devontae Adams and to those people, yeah. but because of color, it's one thing. I think it's like that in our, in our profession, based on, on gender as well. What part of the way you look plays into mm -hmm. that as well? Because there are other female reporters or other female analysts or broadcasters who do the job that may not get that as much. They, they, they may look at them and say, you know what, she just does a great job of asking questions or she does a great job of building a relationship. And like this is, like, this is what we do, like this is a real space. You're an attractive woman and you're also very good at your job. But how much of that is attributed to us, some of the, the, the things you get, the negativity attributed to that, they see this first and then they're not necessarily even focused on the talent. Yeah, well, so I think like the way you said it is really key. You know, that you said to me, okay, I think people see you as an attractive person and you're very good at your job. I think people have to get this mindset that people can be more than one thing. Mm -hmm. So there's just like, you know, this corner of the internet, people who just really don't matter. The internet is not a real place anyways. <laughs> but the corner of the internet that's like, okay, I'm looking at her and I'm deciding I think she's attractive, so that's all she's going to be to me, is like this attractive person. I'm gonna watch her whole hour interview where she got this athlete to reveal these amazing things I've never heard them talk about, but I'm gonna comment about her face or her dress or whatever. And so I don't have an issue with being complimented on those things. I have an issue with being only complimented on those things. People don't even realize if you're watching an interview of mine, you only talk about how I look, you're in a lot of ways kind of taking away my voice. Because the reason I'm doing this is because I speak to people. I like to make connections to people. I like to have conversations. But you're stripping me of that because you're so focused on what I look like. What I look like, I have nothing to do with. Like that's my mom and my dad. I did not work for anything that I look like. Like I don't think that's like an accomplishment, right? Like. What I'm proud of are the things that I put in work to do. The research I do for the interviews, the connections I've made, being respected in the business, like those are things that I care about. And I've also realized you could do, like I've done interviews, I literally have on pants and a turtleneck. And people are like, oh my God, she's dressed. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter, right? right? And also, I think there is a major over-sexualization of black women in this space mm. because we can wear something that anyone else wears, but because our bodies need to be curved it's differently, different. it's going it's to different. be perceived as inappropriate. Yeah. But it, like, it's not our fault. That's the fault of anyone that says that. You know, you can't, you can't control that, and you also really can't care about that. And it took me maybe a while to not care, but I'm certainly at the point now where these things don't really matter to me in terms of like hurting me or making me upset, they only matter to me because I don't want it to always be like that for whoever else is gonna come into the space too. That's an easy conversation for shallow minds and shallow people. Mm -hmm. Aside from what you're good at, what else are you good at? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I love writing. I guess maybe that goes into like journalism, but since I'm primarily on camera, I don't think people know that I really love to write. Um, I really love reading as well. I'm an amazing dog mom. 
I'll show you all the photos oh, of that. Oh, Jesus. What's your dog name? What's your dog name? You have a dog. My dog, Yes, she's a golden doodle. Her name is Bean, after Kobe Bean. Um, and she is the best, sweetest dog of all time. We know you like kitty cats, because that's what you play Oh, on. you're a cat that's person? That's what you play on back your porch. He's right? a whole different type of cat No, no, no. We, I have person. a dog, but me and my wife play, um, Here, we kitty, play kitty. sex games where I'm a cat. I, I can I can write you a, a list, but I'm a cat with my wife, and then I be on the back porch, and I wait. Really, I'm sorry, I don't get. So, what's your wife? She's the old woman that loves cats and brings them in. The oh, house. and so she brings. And then she so brings you're a stray. The cat in the house. I'm a stray. Okay. She brings them in the house, and then I drop meat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but so what's like the core? Like, what about that is sexy to you? Like because what it's makes like, it a... Because I, I'm, I'm the inferior, and then she's the... the, the superior. The, the superior. Mm -hmm. oh. And then when I'm on the back porch, she'll bring me to the house, and I'll... So you actually go on the back porch? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Do we you, are, like, get on all fours? Taylor, we're nasty, nasty. <laughs> like, I don't know. Whenever, I love that you all know this about Yeah, they all personal. know. Yeah, we get after it. We're nasty, nasty. Oh, so I'm wow. on the back porch, and I lay down, and she'll come, and she'll get me in the house, and then I'll... And when are you out of cat character? I, like Once I start dropping dick. <laughs> <laughs> I probably had like one too many follow-ups. I had like one too many follow-ups. She, she, she went, she went into curious. a bleacher report. <laughs> like she got so curious, <laughs> though. You all said it so flippantly and I'm like, Wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. Okay. That's, that's just wow. how things roll on this side. Yeah, that's how I, you gotta I be like careful it. with this. I one. Like this it. is like our 20th show. And so by now, and they've done more shows together. And so by now, we get it. But I was just drawing the comparison between yeah. a, a dog mom yeah. and what's obviously a cat wife. Cat wife, yeah. Cat wife, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, and so that's no. it. So, oh we, so we're going to try to just get off the subject. I'm going to try it. I'm going to pivot. We so got to pivot. I'm going to pivot to something pivot. else. And so, nice segue. Yeah, and so yeah. you, you know, you got to go to the bubble, right? And, mm -hmm. and you worked the bubble in 2020. And that was just a strange year overall. You know, mm -hmm. you were trying to manage social justice. You were trying to manage uh, also a pandemic and report on a world championship being one, what was that experience like for you? Because not everybody was allowed yeah. to do that. So it was almost like a privilege and a punishment. So mm -hmm. how were you able to handle that and kind of navigate what it was to report from the bubble? So I loved my experience in the bubble. The magnitude of the moment, it was one of those times you could feel like how important the space you were in was. Like to be a part of a first and an only to be at the intersection of obviously like a pandemic and they were dealing with social justice and then they're also playing basketball games. It was just like a pressure cooker. So many things were happening there. There were so many good questions to be asked and so many stories being told there. And you just really feel like you're at like the epicenter of it all. And there were so few of us. And I feel like all the journalists in there was kind of like a fraternity, you know, like there's, there's like such a limited amount of people that can say what the bubble was like. Um, and I just feel really thankful that I was able to go and do that and eventually write that story for GQ and all that stuff. So it was certainly like, I think a turning point in my career because I just took so seriously the stories that I wanted to tell uh, in the bubble. In, in the bubble and just bigger picture though, like, because we were at the, um, the Miami, um, 
uh, Radio Row. Mm-hmm. And I saw you, and I went, and you gave me three fingers. Not true. You did, and I was like, <laughs> so I did three I, fingers, and then what? Was I, I like said, nice to meet no, you? No, I said, I said, hey Taylor, how you doing? And you gave me three fingers, and I grabbed them. So it was like this. No, 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 it wasn't the full hand. It's three. Just give three. me three. It was fingers. this, okay. So then you gave me those three fingers, and I grabbed them like that, uh-huh. and I was like, damn, she gave me three fingers. <laughs> well, what I say to you? But no, 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 you were, you said hi, and just kept walking. No, <laughs> but. I say all that. I don't believe this for one second. I say all that. No, it it is what it is. But I say all that to say that (laughs) in Radio Row, as you know, a lot of people are around. And dudes were shooting at you. They were. So did I assume that's what you were doing? I I think you assumed I was shooting at you, but I just respected what you were doing. And I just wanted to say, like, hey, I respect you. But when I said, hey, Taylor, I don't know if my my physical appearance um, turned you off because I was very beautiful. (laughs) But hey, something it was happened. too much for her. It was too Everybody much. Like, yeah, my physical appearance. I like, say, when I you don't... saw me, you was like, oh, look at this big red. And you, you were like, oh. But past all that, yeah. with being a beautiful young black woman, mm-hmm. dudes shoot at you. How do you deal with guys inquiring about you yeah. being a woman that covers sports, being a woman that covers sports that have a, a bunch of young black men in it? Yeah. I mean... I would talk to a guy that I maybe didn't want to talk to the same way that anyone in any space was, which is, no, you know, I'm not interested, or I'm not looking, or I don't want to give my number, or I have a boyfriend. Like, it's the really the same, the same thing. What I always say, like, men are men are men are men. Like, there's obviously this idea about, like, athletes, which in a lot of ways, athletes are very hypersexualized too. Um, but so there's this idea that in this space, men are hitting on you more than any other. But you could ask any woman that you think is attractive and she's going to say, men are hitting on me all the time. Mm-hmm. I happen to work around a lot of men, so maybe it feels like it's crazier. But like men are men regardless of what you do, where you are, and they're going to they're gonna do the most. So the dude to the auto zone hits on you the same way the dude that plays for the Hawks do. Yeah. At and, the and, same and, rate, I'm saying. I don't think and it's you, like And a, you still deal with them the same. Yeah. You just, oh, nice to meet you. Yeah. She Women would fingers. deal with. <laughs> she yeah, gave think... me three fingers, bro. <laughs> think think about that. I'm just think like, nice think about walking up to a woman. Hey, how you doing, man? Nice to meet you. I'm Channing Crowder. <laughs> no, I think context is missing here. I feel like you probably maybe said it after something like that, and I was like, oh, and I was maybe going. You know, I was working. It's all these things, this three fingers. But even in that, right, so we're past the, we're, we're past the point in our lives where women have to give up career for marriage. Women have to give up careers for family. And so many times when, whether you get into marriages, you, you're, you're parenting, uh, whatever it is, you're, when you're raising kids, it's like the women have to give up all of these things in order to start families or in order to be maternal. Do you search for that balance? And are you trying to figure out if you have to put one of those things above the other? Or are you just hyper-focused on being the best Taylor Rooks in her profession that she could be? Yeah. I mean, I certainly don't feel like I'm going to, and I want to say, it's probably easy to say this right now as a non-married, non-mother, right? I think probably everybody starts with this base and then life happens and like things change. I would hope, though, I don't have to sacrifice too much of what I do for work whenever that time does come. I think right now in relationships, really the only thing that I 
search for and want. It's like, I want peace. Like, I want this relationship that I'm in now to just bring me peace. And that's what that does, right? I don't think that it is a place where there's going to be arguments or toxicity or somebody who doesn't like love me for me. Like I think that relationship should really be that safe haven for you and there has to be conversations that happen with your partner about what you want in life, what you want with kids, what you expect from them when you decide that you wanna have kids. And I know that so much changes for women once they decide and that is scary to me. Just well, how many of my dreams are gonna shift whenever I do have a baby? Like what plans will have to be put on hold how will I have to readjust what I think my idea like of success is? Those are things I think about all the time because I want so many kids. I want like five kids. I thought I probably should have had at least one by now to do five. Five? Yeah, I want so many kids. I love children. So like now I'm like, okay, minimum three. I want to have three. But I just, partnership is important to me. I love being in love. Like the feeling that it, it gives me is like none other. So I'm not one of those people that's like, I just want to do the career. I want both, but I want my career to be at a 10 and I want that relationship to also be at a 10. I don't feel like I need to compromise those things. You said you wanted peace first. Yeah. You said you're in a relationship now. Mm -hmm. The one place you won't get peace is in the public or on social media. Yeah. Do you have to work extra hard to keep it out of the public? Because everybody wants to know who you're dating. Yeah. There's always rumors. So I am, and I've said this before, the internet has never once been right about anyone I'm dating. And that's by design because I don't, like whoever I'm with, I'm not gonna be seen in public with. I think that my life is my life. And I've thought a lot about the things that we view as entertainment. And it's strange to me that, you know, a couple like updating their Instagram photos or going out to dinner or like, having an argument is seen as entertainment to people. I think my life is my life and I never want it to be the show. And it's also weird to me that people really even care as much as they do because I don't think I'm a celebrity. Like I think I'm a known person, but I don't think I'm somebody that, you really should care what I'm doing. You know, like I interview the people that right. you would care so deeply about, but I don't, it's by design. The internet has never been right about about anybody. How, how are you so strategic? Well, because I think the relationship is my relationship. We're in the house, we go eat. I also but, think- but, but you have to hide. No, you just don't do, do have you, to- Do you not, do you not? So you just go anywhere you want to at all times with your spouse? He's not my spouse, but well, you're also- But you, it's your spouse if you're, if you're, if you're all a- Well, we're not married. That's not, that's not the same thing. That does not mean that, Channing. <laughs> That but if they're having sex, that's no, not what that means. That's, that, that's not. But you said that's her spouse, though. That is incorrect. That is a spouse. You're that is not a spouse. Nice, that's that's not what that a spouse is. a sexual partner? What do y'all yes, want to call it? No, that's a, she's in a relationship. Okay, in a relationship. Thank people you. would love to know who you're in a relationship you with. Don't, you don't. Do you, do, would you go to somewhere that you know the paparazzi is outside? Would you go to somewhere that you know they're going to accentuate or mm -hmm. publicize where you're at. Do, She's do you, probably do, on the Stephen do, A. plan. But I was gonna she say, because we, we, yeah, we already Oh, the Stephen A. plan is, you don't get to talk about it. When we out public, don't you put your hands on me. Don't ask no, 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 don't ask no, no, don't ask no, no PDA. PDA, he don't want no right? PDA. Are you PDA? Do you like PDA? I'm PDA like, friendly. I will say this, I think it's also, I'm not saying you all, like there's probably an assumption that whoever I'm with is like a known person. If you're with someone who's not a known person, people don't really care. Mm -hmm. Like, so 
And I'm also kind of of the belief that like a lot of times when people are seen, they maybe like wanted to be seen because I don't know how, like there's things or people that I'm friends with that they have like dated people and no one knew. And it's because like they didn't want someone to know. So then when I see people like, quote unquote, caught with who they're dating, I'm like, why did you go to that place? You know, yeah, I don't yeah. think it's hard to, for people to not know the person that you're with. I just think that that is something that is very sacred and personal. And I'm like, like I said, it's by design. When I'm married, that's when everybody will know that I'll post in my gown. Do you feel like it's fair or you will be viewed differently than some of your counterparts in fear? Someone, mm -hmm. a man that is your age, whether he's white, whether he's black, whatever, a man that is your age, or a man who is as talented or as successful as you are, do you think by people caring about who you're dating and someone doing the exact same thing, do you feel like you're viewed differently than they would? Do you feel like there's more judgment passed on who you're dating as mm -hmm. opposed to a man? Probably. I think that women are judged differently than men in literally everything on the planet. But the thing is, it doesn't matter who you're dating. People are always going to have something to say. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they look like. That's really always going to be the thing. This person is not in the public space at all. So I don't really think that the, the judgment would probably be, well, dang, she should be dating somebody that's Whatever, like there's always going to be something. Whoever you're with is either going to be too good for you or not good enough for you. But that's why you can't care about what anybody has to say about literally anything. But I do think in general, people should reevaluate the interest that they have in women and their relation to men. Because a lot of the time, we feel like what a woman is doing is cool, but who she's is better, like who she's is more interesting. You've Who she loves is more interesting. Welcome right. to the show. Today. But that's <laughs> no. hey, about time she make it, right? Hey, I'm I'm just like that is a thing that I just want people to think why does it truly matter to us so much what this person does. And like I said, I'm not saying you all, I think that's culture, that's society. Mm -hmm. But there's something to be said about, you know, why is it if I'm literally just pictured next to a man, that means that I'm with this man. Yeah, you've been through that. Already. All we're doing is standing next to each other. Yeah. Right. Why is it that if a woman in sports is interviewing somebody, it is assumed that she's with that person? Like, you can't just stand next to somebody that is the opposite sex as you without somebody having these ideas in their head. And think about how weird it is that there are people on the internet that have made up fantasies in their head about me and what I'm doing. They know nothing about me, right. but they have decided on who I am or what I'm doing. And I don't know why things are that way. And it's not unique to me. And in terms of women, I probably get it on a much like smaller scale. But I just, I do want people to just think about why it matters so much. When you talk about the different people you interview, you say, why I can't interview this person and there not be something there. When you go back and look at some of the things you've been able to do, what are some of the interviews that stand out to you where you were like, that was the best tailor I could be in this world? Mm, I mean, I really liked the Candace Parker interview. I liked, I liked that one a lot. And the interview was really only as good as the interviewee, right? And she was super open and she revealed stuff and she told stories. And so that meant a lot. Um, 
But at this point, it's like if I do an interview, if that person doesn't reveal something I've never heard them say, I feel like the interview like failed because that's just what I want the benchmark to be each time that people learn something about the person that they didn't know. So uh, that speaks to me a lot with the Candace Parker one, um, DeMar DeRozan, Lou, Ja. Those are just, I felt like I had good follow-ups and I was listening and they were comfortable and we made news. And to me, that's that's the marker of success for an interview. And I got to ask you, though, with with like the approach and what media is right now. And it even joked about it before the show, which you, yeah. you, you have the, 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 faux you have the faux locks. Yeah. Yeah, it's real I, now. I, I work for mine. <laughs> <laughs> I work for my like 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 Taylor like this is ten years in. Ten so years don't in. Act, don't yeah, act I don't crazy have the now. These are real. You can take them out tomorrow. Those are real. No, tonight I'm taking them out tonight oh, and you're getting them, them redone tonight. tomorrow. Yeah. But but even that, like seeing that you have locks and you have the platform that you have, and locks weren't accepted. I don't know if locks are really accepted now. Mm-hmm. And then even how you dress, like you accentuate your body with your clothes on how you dress. Do I? Yes. How so? Because you have the, t- the the tighter clothes on, and you have so a body the, that the women that are on ESPN Or is that right just how have. the dress falls on my body? I'm, like, completely covered up. You're, you're covered, but you just said it. When people yeah. look at it, they... Yeah, I would say this. I don't mean... I'm going to let her answer. Yeah. yeah. So I have two daughters, mm-hmm. and my daughters go to private school. And the, the skirt length is a certain length, yeah. right? And my oldest played soccer and she ran track and she was built a certain way. And so we would measure the skirts, we would do all of these things and she would get hounded every day. They'd send her to the disciplinarian and then we'd measure the skirts in front of them and she would still have issues. And eventually it got to the point of what it looks like. And so we literally had to sit in the parking lot and take pictures of other girls in skirts that were shorter to then bring to the disciplinarian and be like, well, this shirt, this skirt is shorter. It just looks different on my child because of the way she's built. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that she was alluding to earlier, right? When we look at whether it's, you know, African-American women or we're looking at different ethnicities that are built different and put together different, it's not about what they wear. They can buy the exact same thing. It's about the fact that it's gonna fit different based on how they were made, based on their genetic pool. So if I have breasts, and I have a butt. Mm-hmm. Whatever I wear, you're gonna see my breasts and my butt. Yeah. It isn't like by design of like, oh, I want people to see my breasts and my butt. It's like, if I'm wearing pants, you'll see my butt. If I'm wearing a shirt, you'll see my, my chest. Mm-hmm. So it isn't about like accentuating your body as much as it's just like, I want to wear an outfit that I look good in. The style. Like, I would have to, I would have to wear a trash bag <laughs> for you to not see my body. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna sacrifice the way that I want to look in the style that I have so that a man yeah. knows that they can look at me in my face and not in my chest or look at my butt. Like, it's not about accentuating. And also, I don't dress for men. I dress for myself. So it's not being accentuated for me. Maybe you think it's being accentuated for you. But I, however, am not here or on this earth, you know, for the gaze of men. Yeah. So it isn't necessarily about, like, you want to dress so that your body parts are showing. And I, lo- and, and I love the way you put that, and I'll leave that there, but about your hair as well, with the dreads. <laughs> what about, what's the D- question Just about the dreads. That? Yeah. Do you think the dreads are, accept- like, are accepted? Mm-hmm. Do you think you need to work, work your, you know, your, your hairstyle too? out? Is yeah. it purposeful? Do you understand that on the, the big time worldwide media of it, are dreads accepted? Mm-hmm. 
to what you want to do? And all, yeah. and do do you understand and do you do it for a point that you're going to be you no matter what they think. Yeah. Well, so I had never worn fake hair until the pandemic happened. And then I realized how much easier it would be for me to just get braids. So I got braids initially and I loved how easy it was just on my hair and also just like doing the job. Then I wanted to try locks and now I love the locks and I haven't gone back. But I think that it's really important to do the things that are best for you. And if I have obviously black hair, I want a protective hairstyle, I'm gonna do that even if somebody else maybe doesn't agree with it. It's the thing that, that works for me. But I also understand maybe not every black, young black girl or black woman feels like they're in the position they can do this at that moment, but that obviously should change. You should be able to do your hair however you want. You know, your hair is not a personality trait. You shouldn't get a job or not get a job based on what your hair looks like. Did the bubble influence that? Because you oh, didn't totally. have access I, yeah. to Yeah, I went in there with braids and like, my, I mean, my hair has grown so much in the locks. It's just, it's so good. The things that you do to make your hair look good in media are insane. Like before I got these, I would get my hair straightened once a week. That's terrible for your hair to put all that heat on it mm -hmm. once a week. So even though these things maybe aren't normal, they should totally be accepted more. But I do, ha I do have a question for you because I think what you asked me is important. It's a conversation I want to have. What could I wear that you would think I wasn't accentuating my body? It's it, no, no. Like a specific, specific clothing items. Specific clothing items that <laughs> yes. you can wear. A uh, goddamn sweatsuit. Then <laughs> that's my point. Do you I can't, have? You can't to, do a job. In yeah. It. So I can't do a job in a sweatsuit. Right. No, 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 no. That's that's and to your point, like I'm with you, and yeah. that's why I worded the question because I was like, what you have and what you're built with, what you're yeah. born with is different than what the normalized media is born with. Yes. So for you to cover up what you naturally have, mm -hmm. you actually have to wear a goddamn prison sweatshoe. <laughs> and I have been to jail. <laughs> Multiple times. I've been to jail four times. <laughs> if they give you them white drawers and them orange pants and that orange shirt and those flip flops and those white socks, yes. you won't look as fine as you do. <laughs> But that's the only thing I can say yep. that would hide but what so, you have. So that's what I'm saying when we, when we frame these conversations about how black women look doing their jobs and how they look in the clothes. And if you use words, and I know you didn't know, but if you use words about like you're wearing this thing that accentuates whatever, it's like, no, my body just accentuates it. Like, yeah. like putting the action of accentuating on me is incorrect. Like that's just what's going to happen if I put an outfit on. I think, a, I think a lot of it too though, and this is like way, way past it, but you know, when we look at some of the, the, the sexual culture that, that we grow up in, a lot of times we put the onus on the woman to not tempt the man, the right. onus on the woman to not bring certain things of victimhood upon herself when really it's on us. Right, it's on, it's on me that when talking about Taylor or, or meeting Taylor, saying things that doesn't make it say she, she's dressed this way or looks this way purposely for the consumption of men. Yeah. And, I think, and I think so many times, one, we, we've thought that we've ruled the world or we've made everything about us and now women have to continue to try to find ways to compromise themselves because we can't control ourselves in a certain way. And I think it does begin in our speech because now our sons and now other young men growing up uh, under us, they hear these things 
and they believe those things as well. They see things the same way we do, which is why like this conversation is extremely so important. powerful. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm I'm really interested in hearing yes. like you know why you you know said that, and that's why I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you because I do think it's important for people to understand that you can't like blame black women for existing. You know what I mean? Like Ooh. if I'm just sitting here and you have something to say about me, that has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you, you know? Like I said, if I have on turtleneck and pants, people are gonna say the same thing. And you just reach a point where you're like, this is who I am. You're either gonna make the decision to hear the questions that I'm asking and engage in the interview, or decide to be an immature person who only thinks about sex, but probably has never actually had sex with somebody, so much so that you want to leave a comment <laughs> about my body on the YouTube comment. I mean, we know you're- Damn, so. Taylor, you gonna <laughs> hit me like that? Like, uh, I done did okay, Taylor. No, no, like, you, I, I got three kids. Like, I, I mean, mean, like, people- I done did my own I'm, thing now, like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying anybody just, who would feel the nerd, like the need to go online, you know, and yes, like say yes, something yes, about yes, someone, yes, I'm like, yes. you are a, a very specific breed of individual that I genuinely just like don't understand. All right, so I need to get on my Taylor Rooks then. Okay. Right? Because I, I feel like, one, you're, you're extremely seasoned. Even you coming in here, I was like, oh, this is gonna be an easy interview. It's like, this is what she does. Like, she knows what to say, she's mm -hmm. been through this. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've had these conversations before. Yeah. So Taylor Rooks says, if you do an interview and somebody doesn't reveal something new, you sucked at your job. But Taylor Rooks is probably like better at her job than we are, and she could just ask the question to get it. So I'm gonna ask an even simpler question. <laughs> Tell me something that the world doesn't know about you, something that you haven't revealed, something that you haven't said, something that's not written in one of these 20 articles I read going down the Taylor Rooks uh, internet rat hole yesterday. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, I feel like I already did. Like, I don't believe in addressing any type of rumor ever about me. Like I never do it. And so the fact that I even said the internet has been wrong with every single person that they say I'm dating, I revealed something I, I never have. Like, cause I don't care about like the internet. Like I said, the internet is not a real place. I don't get mad when the dog barks at the mailman. That's what I expect the dog to do. Like I don't, that's what the internet is to me. So I don't feel the need if somebody tweets something at me or writes something about me and is like, this is what she's doing and she's doing it with, I don't feel the need to ever like correct it because I know it's not true. I have a whole life, but I would say that and I feel like I revealed So that. you're 100% secure in who Taylor Rooks is every single morning mm -hmm. she wakes up. I don't know if anybody is always 100% secure, especially because life is growth. You know, like every single day you want to be better than the last. But I would say every morning I wake up, I'm 100% okay with who Taylor Rooks is. And maybe the security like could fluctuate some, but I'm always okay with it. And I'm also always 100% secure with someone who I don't know saying anything about me. Right. That is something that doesn't bother me in the least. When you go back home to the country, Gwinnett, you said Gwinnett? Gwinnett County. Gwinnett County. Up there in the country. Do they call you bougie? That's 100%. So, funny. Yeah. so let me qualify that. I tell your people, people. I think the reason they're probably not calling me bougie is because if you ask anyone who like actually knows about Gwinnett, they probably think everyone in Gwinnett is bougie. Because like Gwinnett is kind of seen as like the bougie place. Like Gucci has this lyric, he's like, got a girl lives in Gwinnett and her daddy rich. Like that's like the idea of Gwinnett. Right. That it's like, she that's like where Nunu's from. Like, that's Gwinnett. 
So it's not that maybe they don't think I'm bougie. Maybe if I went to another part of Georgia, they'd say I was bougie. I mean, because you articulate so well. And oh, from the country, you. you don't <laughs> because it's don't not speak the country. Up. Look what you did. <laughs> you know what She's from the country. You see, he's been, she, t- he been came 10 out, out of 10 there. wrong this whole episode. <laughs> she, came out, she came out the gutter. I mean, that's, made a, it. That's, a, that's right. So when people look at you different, they see you on TV, they see you all over the place. Yeah. And what, I, I how your old boyfriends feel? Oh my gosh, oh, it's so hurt. funny. They it's hurt, so funny because in high school, Freddie, I, I dated hurt. someone for like so long. Like, I, you know, in high school, you think that's who you're going to marry. But oh. I mean, I have been through a litany of different relationship situations. I've almost got married before. I've, like, like I said, been my high school boyfriend. Like, I have, I feel like, experienced different love in my life. What's the ultimate goal? Yeah. Taylor Rooks, what's your pinnacle? Mm. Yeah. Well, I just want... The example I always use, obviously, is Oprah, right? You know, you would go home every single day, and you knew what your mom was doing was, like, sitting in the family room and watching Oprah. And you didn't just know your mom was doing it. You knew that, like, every woman, every person, every house was watching Oprah. And if you didn't watch Oprah, you felt like you missed out. And I just feel like... Oprah was a societal and cultural thing. Like watching Oprah was a feeling. And I eventually want to get to the point where you feel like if you didn't watch what I did, you missed out. I remember so distinctly, like if someone had anything to say, they went on Oprah show when it was a whole thing. And sometimes it was two hours. And then everyone at school was talking about it the next day. Like that was just the overall like Oprah effect. And I just want I want my interviews to feel like that, like you had to watch them and that that person had to talk to me. So my overall goal, it isn't like a network or a show. It's a, it's like a feeling I want to give people, if that makes sense. Two influences, other, not your mom yeah. or your grandmother or, or Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Two other influences. So many people. So I think Howard Stern is like one of the best interviewers of all time. He's a bit too like shock jockey for me, but he's a great interviewer. So I've watched like a bunch of Howard Stern interviews. So I'd say him. Mm. And I obviously don't know Serena personally, but Serena has always been a major, major inspiration for me. If I'm watching Serena play tennis, even though I don't play tennis, I just feel like the thing I do, I can be as good at it as she is in playing tennis. And like she has this, um, she has this documentary on HBO called Being Serena. And this one scene like always sticks out to me. She was practicing with her trainer, Patrick, and she wasn't having like a great practice. But afterwards, she's working out with him on the bike and he goes, give your all tomorrow. And Serena says, what do you mean? I, I gave my all today. And he said, I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about tomorrow. And it's just like Serena is always thinking to herself and the people around her are always thinking to herself, this isn't complacency. Like if you're going to look at me and say I gave my all today, you're missing the fact that I'm saying like today is over and I need that exact same thing from you tomorrow, the next day, the day after. And I think with what we do a lot of times, it can be easy to feel complacent, Mm -hmm. especially if you just had a really good interview, you just had a good moment, you just wrote a great article and you can like rest your laurels on that for a bit. But things move so quickly and the media cycle moves so quickly and people will care about the work you did one minute and not the next. And I just always am saying to myself, like, this isn't about today. It's about tomorrow. And I just, I always want my next interview to be better, you know, than that, that last one I did. And I really do focus mainly on interviewing. Um, and I don't know if there's a lot of people that do that, but have any of you read Relentless by Tim Grover? I have not. It's a really good book. I can't really read that good. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm gonna send you the audio, but oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> send me the cliff notes. <laughs> but it's um, it's really good because he talks about the boxer Leon Spinks and says that somebody said to Leon Spinks like, "What do you do for a living?" And Leon said, "I knock motherfuckers out. Like that's the thing that I do, and I want my thing I do to be interviewing. Like I want to." ace that specifically like if you have something to say you come to me like someone said to me once you know you can do anything but you can't do everything and i want my thing that i do to be knocking motherfuckers out yeah sitting there and having a good conversation and a good discussion and i want to kind of rest my laurels on that well all i can say is you knocked this interview out for sure mm -hmm. we are super grateful thank you because you, 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 you don't cuss she knocked this mother out thank you <laughs> thank you too <laughs> hold up